if you're new here, we go through books of the Bible, and we're in the middle of the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, and we're in Genesis chapter 20, so if you can turn there, Genesis chapter 20, it's a short chapter, I'm not going to have you guys read a small book like I did last week, and while you're turning there, I can tell you that when I was young, when someone would accuse me of something, or they point the finger at me, I would think to myself, only God can judge me. And God knows my heart. And as I grow older and I start becoming familiar with my sin, I still know those two things to be true. Only God can judge me and only God knows my heart. But I don't find as much relief in it anymore. In fact, it scares me. If God, in fact, does know my heart as I kind of grew up, I went, wow, if God knows my heart, then He knows I thought this and that I did this and that I desire this. He knows the thoughts and intentions of my heart. How in the world could He ever accept me? If I had to boil down the difference between a believer in Jesus Christ and an unbeliever, it would be this. The unbeliever thinks that their real problems are out there and that the solution is somewhere within themselves. And the Christian thinks that their real problems are in here and that the solution is outside themselves in Jesus Christ. God knows what's in our hearts, and that's the problem. Here's the gospel this morning. I define it every week. Wow, that's really That is old school. Okay. Because of our sin, we're corrupt from the inside out. We don't naturally see our depravity, but God does. Therefore, in order to bring life and to make us acceptable to a holy God, Christ changes us from the inside out. Praise God today, I am not the person who I once was. And I boast in Jesus. Our passage this morning, we're going to see, God knows everything that goes on in the human heart. Nothing gets by God. He created the heart. He sustains the heart. He's sovereign over the heart. He knows everything that's going on in that little ticker of yours. Every will, every thought. And that should give us a little healthy dose of fear. And so if you'll stand for the reading of God's Word, we're going we're gonna to read out of Genesis chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Um, just listen. And Moses writes, From there Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. And God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her, so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not, say, did he not himself say to me, She is my sister? And she herself said, He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things, and the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us, and how have I sinned against you? 
that you have brought on me in my kingdom a great sin. You have done to me things that I had not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see that you did this thing? And Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister and the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. <laughs> and when God caused that's funny. And, and when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, This is the kindness you must do to me. At every place to which we come, say of me, He is my brother. And Abimelech took sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants, and gave them to Abraham, and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. To Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you, and before everyone you are vindicated. And Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, and also healed his wife and female slaves, so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wounds of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Even in seemingly unique stories such as this, Father, we know that there is rich treasure, that this is truth, and that it is profitable for our souls. Father, this morning I pray that you would reveal yourself to us. Show us your mighty hand and how you are sovereign over all things, including the human heart. Father, let us tremble in fear at your glory, and Father, let us uh, let our hearts melt at the, the abundant love you've shown us in Jesus Christ. Father, we want to worship you this morning because of your word. Help us to do that this morning by your spirit. And all these things we ask in your precious son's name, amen. So... Abraham and Sarah are being less than truthful to Abimelech, even though technically they weren't lying. Sarah technically is Abraham's half-sister. It's a half-lie. And when Abimelech finds out that Sarah is married, he freaks out because judgment is about to come down on his house. God lets him know. And as you would think Abimelech is frightened and wants to do right and wants to make up for the wrong that he's seemingly unknowingly done. There's a lot going on here in this passage, but I wanted to key in this morning on what God tells Abimelech in the dream. So we're going to key in on two verses. Here they are. I'm sorry, I'm going to laugh every time I look at that. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore I did not let you touch her. Now then return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you, will sure, you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So we learn about a lot about how God deals with human beings in this verse. God is orchestrating these events from on high. God's in control. God's in the cockpit. And nothing is hidden from God. Here's the summary, if I, had to, if I had to find three points, and I don't do this, y'all know very often it's very cliche to find three, but I actually found three this time. Here they are. God searches our hearts, God is sovereign over our hearts, God opens hearts and reveals the path to righteousness. Most of you, when you walk through that door, or I'm waiting for you at the top, at the, on the deck like I usually do, and heckling you, 
I think, by the way, I think I'm going to stop saying, hey, what's the word? Because a lot of y'all look at me and you're like, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> Jonah is always frightened when I say that. It's like, I don't, this must be a southern thing. I'm going back to Minnesota. Um, most of you, when you walk through that door, I can tell whether you want to be here or not. Most of you, when you're walking up that long hill... I can tell what kind of weekend you had. I can tell if you got enough sleep. I can tell if the dogs won. Franklin, it's tricky because the Yellow Jackets always lose, but he's usually smiling, though. I can tell all of that by the time you walk up the hill, by your face. You don't hide it that well. You don't. People are generally not good at masking what's on their hearts. They're not. You may not wear your heart on your sleeve, but if you're a human being, to some degree, you wear your heart on your sleeve. But the way that God sees our heart is fundamentally different. We can put on our best face, we can put on the biggest smile, we can have everyone fooled, we can even have ourselves fooled, but God knows our hearts better than we do. That's actually why He wrote the Bible, because He knows what you need more than you do. Now here's Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Good call. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. We cannot possibly fathom how much God knows about us. Before a word comes out of my mouth, before a thought is even taking place in my head, God knows it, and He knows it completely, and we can see that in this verse, God is the great searcher of hearts. After all, He made them. He knows what Abimelech did. He knows why he did it. He even knows at which point Abraham's heart indulges in sin. That's the level of knowledge God has. He made Abimelech. He's sustaining Abimelech. Abimelech doesn't need to explain anything to God. God doesn't need a police report about what happened. He was there. He knows it. He saw it better than anyone. The problem, though, is that typically we are not the best, the best judges of what's in our hearts. Like Abimelech, sometimes we can be headed straight for sin and not know it. Sinners usually think more highly of themselves than we ought. In other words, we generally see the, the sin in someone else's heart a lot better than we see the sin in our own heart. We're self-deceived people. We need God to show us how things really are. And that's why God speaks to us in His Word. Here's a way of looking at it right here. The closer we come to the heart of God, the more we understand about our own hearts. Self-knowledge begins with knowledge of God. When I meditate on the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the faithfulness of God, God shines a great big spotlight on my sin. So that as I'm reading God's Word, and I'm, and I'm reading about the love of Jesus, and I come back every day to the justice of God, I start becoming more sensitive to my sin. I start seeing where I've fallen short. The Spirit starts convicting me of where I'm not giving glory to God so that when I read the Bible and as I walk in the Christian life and as I'm walking in grace, the more I come of knowledge of God, the more I come to have more understanding about who Abi is. 
And I'll tell you this, I don't, I'm still learning who Abby Todd is. But I know a lot more than I did. Today, I know so much more about myself because I know so much more about the living God who made me and saved me. Today, we have self-help books. We have books that teach us about meditation. We have therapy books. You can go to counseling. All those things are good, most of them. But if we don't know the living God, we have no idea who we are, why we are, or where we're going. God is the great searcher of hearts. When I read the Bible, here's what He shows me. The Spirit searches of my hearts. By His Word and His Spirit, God shows me where I'm insecure, where I'm fearful, where I'm prideful, and what I really love. And I'm blind to all those things if I'm just living in the world. Abimelech has no idea what's taking place there unless God says, Hey, buddy, wake up. Let me tell you how, what's really going on. She's only a half-sister. <laughs> but God cares who I really am. God cares who Abimelech really is. God cares what's really going on in our hearts. Number two, God is sovereign over our hearts. Verse six. It was I, God says, it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. God doesn't just know what's in our hearts. God's sovereign over our hearts. He created our hearts and He controls, in some sense, our hearts. He controls precisely our desires, our thoughts, our actions. Check this verse out in Proverbs. Proverbs 21. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. That means God, while not being the author of sin, even back when I was lost, even back when I was in darkness, even before I even had it in my head to listen to the gospel, God was controlling my life. God let me come to see the light. He was there when I met Kelly. It's because of him I fell in love with Kelly. It's because of him I fell in love with the gospel. It's because of him I decided to even move to a place called Covington, Georgia, which I'd never even heard of. Every single step of my life is because God was controlling all of it, turning where he wills. And I look back and I go, Oh, wow, God was doing that. God even knows when I'm about to sin. Like this week, when I, I came home and I went, Kelly put another diaper in the bath, in, 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 in the trash, which I hate. I went, babe, you put another diaper in the trash? Didn't hear anything. I went, babe. Yeah. <laughs> I exercised restraint. Now, if she were here right now, she'd be like, yeah, yeah, let me tell you a few times I exercised restraint. <laughs> and God was sovereign over both. God saw that welling up. I don't want to come home and put my stuff down and get the trash. I don't want to do it. Sin just festering in my heart. And God says, no further. <coughs> Shut up and take it out. So every good deed, every moment of self-restraint, everything I've ever done that's pleasing to God is because of God. I'm a Christian today because God decided to save me. He decided to set me where I was. He decided I would live where I was. He decided that my parents would be who they were. He decided I would be in the church that I was. He decided that what kind of attitude I would have the day that I would actually hear the gospel. He decided who would preach the gospel. He decided how I would hear it. He decided that I would believe it. He decided I would come forth. And today he is still deciding how I would be molded in the shape of Jesus. 
Now, was it I who freely chose to believe in the gospel? Of course. The longer I go walking in grace, I realize that when I was in sin, I was never quite as free as I thought I was. And today, because I'm in Christ, I'm freer than I ever thought I would be. God is sovereign over everything, including the human heart. Number three, God opens hearts and shows us the path to righteousness. Verse seven. Now then, return the man's wife. This is God speaking to Abimelech. For he is a prophet, Abraham, so that he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. Imagine hearing that from God. God doesn't just leave Abimelech on his own. God doesn't just say, hey, I'm here and I know what you're doing. God says, I'm here, I know, I'm in control. Listen and obey. God is doing with Abraham the same thing he's doing with us today in the gospel. Here it is. Here's what God says. Three things to Abimelech and us. I know, I'm in control. Listen to my voice and do what I say. God's sovereignty isn't a license to sit back and do nothing. God's sovereignty is a comfort so that what He tells us to do next, it isn't quite as daunting. Today, I can obey God and I can seek God and I can seek to live a holy life because I know that God's control and God's plan cannot be thwarted. That's the Christian life. Abimelech will not fail to do what God has commanded him to do because God just told him that what he's done, and that it's because of God that he hasn't sinned already. It's because of God and God alone that we are being saved. It's because of God and God alone that we are being sanctified today. When I was 10 years this year, 10 years this year, I was driving, it was actually in the wintertime. I was going to work. Scott, I was driving to Ragu. And... I was in a snowstorm. Have I told you this story before? Oh, I've said a lot. I've said so many ragu stories, I don't know which ones. I'm driving to work. I'm in a snowstorm. And for many of you, I don't know if I've told some of you, but I used to have seizures. From a neck injury when I was little, I actually have scars on my body from different seizures. And I had a seizure in my truck in a snowstorm on a highway. And I veered off and just took out a light pole. And the light pole went and crashed on top of the highway. And if, if you've ever had a seizure before, when you, you in the middle of a seizure you have no idea what you're doing, but when you wake up from a seizure you have no idea where you are. And so I just woke up and there's a guy getting me out of the truck and I look back and for miles and miles there's cars honking and like lights in this snowstorm. And I'm coming to and I'm like, did I do that? He's like, yeah, you did that, come on. So I just get up and drive to work. Wasn't even thinking. Just went, okay, hey, thanks man. Alright, went to work. Well, you can't do that. As I found out. <laughs> the truck is in my dad's name who happens to be Avi Todd too so they go to his work and they say hey were you in a were you in a wreck today dad's like no are you sure and dad's like no I would remember it that wasn't a wreck well your name's Avi Todd too unless there's another Avi Todd and dad goes 
Actually, there is another Amitabha. <laughs> and say, where's he at? Oh, he's over at Ragu. He's like, all right, we're going to go take him. He's like, well, hold on, what are you doing? He's like, he left, he fled the scene. We're, gonna, we're actually going to arrest him. He's like, no, 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 hold on. And my dad, I guess in a very dad moment, dad interceded for me and said, guys, my son is a good son. He's a good boy. He's stupid. <laughs> but he's a good kid. He's got a good heart. Scare him, confront him, make him pay it, whatever. Don't send him to jail. He's, he's a good kid. He has a good heart. He, he played the seminary card. Dad did. And so I, they got there in Ragoon and called me, and they said, uh, Son, did you flee a scene today? And I said, well, I didn't flee a scene. I mean, I, I left a huge wreck. Oh, wait, that was against the law, wasn't it? <laughs> and I remember the old cop, he looked, at, he looked at me and said, You're a good kid. So I'm going to get all your information, and I'm not going to put you in cuffs today. And I went, wow, okay. And I think that's what it's like when we stand before the judge, and God sees all the stupid things we've done, <coughs> all the sin, all the past transgressions, every thought, every desire. And then Jesus stands and says, hold on, I've paid for all. They're stupid. They're sheep, but they're my sheep. And I gave them a new heart so that now you can go and they're yours. And so when we come to Jesus and we believe in Jesus, it's not take us as we are because we can't be taken as we are. God sees how black and corrupt we are from the inside out. And Jesus says, I've got to change you from the inside out. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit and I'm going to make you a new thing. This morning I want to challenge you all. If you've ever done a good, noble, benevolent, genuine thing this week, if you go out this week and you do something good, it's because of the living God. Every good and perfect gift, every good and perfect decision, every good and perfect act that you've ever taken care of, anytime you hold your tongue when you could have said something, anytime you serve your spouse this week, anytime you say a prayer, anytime you read the Word, anytime you have right thoughts about God, anytime you serve others and not yourself, know that not one second of obedience could come without God's grace. God is sovereign over your heart even when He knew everything that was in it. And He says, if you believe in my Son, I'm going to change it. Because just like Obimelech, God's going to say, it was I who kept you from sinning. It was I who kept you from being anxious and worrisome this week. It was I who sustained you when you didn't know if you were going to have a job. It was I who sustained you when you didn't know if you could have put food on your table. It was I who sustained you and gave you faith. It was I who gave you the obedience. It was me and not you. Believe in me and not yourself. That is the gospel. We don't go home after a hard day dealing with hard people, giving ourselves a pat on the back before we give Jesus all the glory. And that's what faith is. This morning, we put faith in the mediator who stopped and said, I will change them. I will wipe their debt clean. I will do it all because they couldn't. And I will call them children of God. That's what our faith is this morning. That's the gospel. And I invite you to believe it. Let's pray.
Father, we are like Abimelech. We've done noble things. Many of us are people of integrity, but we're still blind to sin. We still need you to show us where we're going. Father, you are the great searcher of hearts. You are sovereign over our hearts. Everything we've ever done that is noble and praiseworthy is because of you, and that's why we're listening to you still today. Father, thank you for not being silent. Thank you for showing us our sin and our need for Jesus, and thank you for giving us a Savior in Christ. In His name and not our own. Amen.